Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. You are in the gap with Hassan. This is the platform where we bring to you the extraordinary stories of ordinary people, particularly immigrants who have come to Australia and are making a life for themselves in their careers or in businesses. Through this platform, we aim to share their strife, their trials and tribulations, their successes, their failures, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. In today's podcast, I have somebody who I started off as a colleague with, but I'm happy to share that over time we have turned into really good friends. Uh, so I welcome to the podcast Ahmed Khalil, AK47. Thanks I'm, for the introduction. How, how are you doing? Good man, how are you? Thanks thank for you. inviting me to this podcast. Nah, thank you thank you so much for coming and taking the time nah, out I'm to be with us. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad yeah. to be here. So, so just to give all of you guys an introduction to what, what Ahmed does is, Ahmed is a graduate in civil engineering from the Western Sydney University. He is currently working for Seymour White, who are one of the largest civil construction companies within Australia. He has about two, two and a half years of experience as a civil engineer, and we'll get into his professional um, experience as well as his own personal experiences throughout his life. Um, so before we do that, I would request all of you guys that if you guys find this uh, these conversations interesting and engaging, kindly take a second out of your time to hit that subscribe button. Also try and leave a comment and give us some feedback on how you find these conversations. If there is anything that you would like us to change up, if there are any other topics or any other kind of guests that you would want on this podcast, do let us know. All right. So just to just to kick off, Ahmed. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think for everyone, the, the first thing that we want to find out is just just give us a brief rundown of what your early life is like. Where were you born? Um, uh, what was your early life like? Well, I was born in Baghdad city, Iraq. Wow, Baghdad, yeah, right, Baghdad, right yeah. in the middle. Right in the middle, right in the middle of, um, yeah, born in 1996. Yes. Um, I lived through, I lived in Iraq till 2004, 2005. Right. So I had, I lived two years was in the war, so I was oh, a war, okay. war survivor. Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you came to Australia, you're saying, in 2004, 2005. Yeah. So even though you were very young, yeah. it you are still an immigrant, even yeah. though in, even though you've spent majority of your life within Australia, but essentially you still are an immigrant who moved, to, who moved to Australia. Yeah, interesting. I, that, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a very interesting point because uh, normally the kind of immigrants that I talk to or who I have experience with are people who have just only recently come to Australia, Australia and, and yeah. who have spent majority of their adult lives in some other country. So for you to come to Australia at the very start and mm. then live through, um, you know, the, the Australian education system or, you know, experience life, uh, early life in Australia as an immigrant, that's that's very interesting. Yeah. So, so okay, coming back to, to Iraq, tell, mm. tell us a little bit. Do, do you have any recollection of what yeah, Iraq of or Baghdad was yeah, like? Yeah, of course, 100% I do. Uh, I loved it, you know what? If, if I could take the time back, I would still love to, to live really? there. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Paint me a picture. What what is what is Baghdad Man, like? Just, just early two thousands. Just lovely people. Now people nowadays they change after all these wars and stuff. But everyone was nice, smiling. You could walk in the streets at two three a.m. in Baghdad, and people are still out shopping. Interesting. The shops are open. Everyone's like with their families, with their kids, having fun. Now we can't do that. Beautiful. Yeah, you know Beautiful. what I mean. So. Um, how old were you when the war started? The war started in 2002. 2003. Three. 2003. So how, I, how I was born you? in 1996. So I was 
four, six years old. Six years old. Six years old. Yeah. Do you have any recollection of things? Yeah. Like like things before the war and then after the war, things changing. Yeah, yeah. So so um, when before the war everything was fine, but when the war started to happen, um, me and my siblings and my mum, we had to go to um, in my grandma's house, which is north of Iraq. Yeah. Which was considered the safe. Safe Yeah, because it's like north of Iraq, close to the Turkey borders and yeah. all that stuff. Um, in a city called Kirkuk. Kirkuk, Kirkuk yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and I remember the first day in the war I was sleeping, it was probably around 3 a.m. in the morning and we could hear the F-16 just American just on top of the house and the house is shaking. Really? And I remember saying to my mom, hide me under the blanket. I don't want to, I'm scared, I don't want to die. And wow. yeah, a couple of hours later, my uncle from, like I could, I, I can remember this like, like it's a, a movie right in front of me. Yeah. My uncle um, called my mum, which he called my grandma's house number. Yep. And he told her from Baghdad, because they lived, so that's my dad's side, they live in Baghdad. My mum's side, they live in Kirkuk, which is north of Iraq. He called and he said, the American tanks are in Baghdad. So, wow. they're here. Wow. The, war, the war is the war all, is full on. It's full on. It's over. The Americans are here, Interesting. and that's when everyone was shocked. Like, and yeah. okay, so give me a little insight of what your family was like. What do your parents do? What, like, what did they used to do back in back in Iraq? My mom, she was just uh, just a housewife, just yeah. looked after us. My dad, um, he was an uh, an airplane engineer. Okay. Yeah, an airplane. He took like he studied his masters in Yugoslavia. Okay. Yeah, because he he done really good at like HSC, what we call it. Yeah. So he got like an in like a like a scholarship to go there and study yeah. airplane engineering. Interesting. Uh, and and yeah, so when he came back, um, he got a really high, um, uh, a high paying job. Uh, not a high paid job in the army. A very high. Um, a high rank. A high rank. Oh, he used to work for the army, did he? Uh, he wasn't. He was an engineer. Like he got nothing to do with weapons or anything. But yeah the system back in Iraq because Iraq was like throughout the 90s all the way like even the 80s or just war after war after yeah, war yeah. so everything was focused on army and, yes yeah. yes okay so when when all the all the so my dad was one of the like top in his class in Yugoslavia so as soon as he came back as a, a reward mm. for his hard work overseas mm. they gave him a really high rank like in just just like admin stuff and yes. and things like that so and yeah and my dad back back there he was still at work so he wasn't with us so he was Post. in Baghdad okay yeah and he was and we were like worried about him like what is he doing we had zero contact with him we don't know what what he was doing and, and so yeah. when the war actually started your dad must have been like not at the forefront but he must have been really involved and he must have really he, known what was going on he was yeah like after time. after everything like was over and he came back yeah thankfully and rejoined us like he was front line almost awesome yeah nice yeah. nice like That's he told us a story which is very interesting i find he's like um his his boss technically yeah. told him to like go home the war is over we don't need anyone let's see okay yeah so my dad he's like no nah, but i still want to come like i want to be there to the last minute so and he was on like you know how back in the like back in the days the army they go like a week like in in the army, then they have like a couple of days to go see mm, their family. Mm, mm. So my dad went to my grandma's house in Baghdad. Yep. And he called like his boss saying, um, "All right, like I'm coming back here." Yeah? And he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, the war is over. Like 
don't worry about it, like stay with your family. And my dad, he refused to stay. So he actually got on a motorbike and went back to where his friends are and stuff. And he said, I was on a motorbike and I was going in the street and like two, three kilometers, I could see the American tanks. Mm. And he was like, just done a U-turn. And went back. back. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it was full on. Mm. So, so for your dad to have been in the army, naturally, I mean, look, in, in countries in the Middle East and like even from my experience in Pakistan, countries that have had seen wars in the recent past, there is a huge sense of national pride oh, and, yeah. and there's a huge sense of patriotism oh, within the people. So what I'm getting it as your dad, when he eventually made the decision to move himself and his family to Australia mm. outside of that must have been a very difficult decision for 100%, 100%. him because because obviously he would have loved his country he would have yeah. wanted to serve his country yeah. as long as he yeah could. till till this day like my dad says he's hoping in one day Iraq goes back to normal he mm. would be more than happy to actually so what's Iraq like, like now arts man it took a 100 360 degree you know? yeah people's hearts have changed people now like hate each other like the war, the American divided like the people, mm. like you know, Sunnis, Shias, like, yeah, killing yeah, each other, yeah, yeah, civil yeah. wars. So just people are changed, not safe, and also like if you look at politics and stuff now, like the neighboring countries, kind of are highly involved in the politics mm. in Iraq, like yeah. Iran and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. So it's not really, and the, also the, the country is divided pretty much. And also, of course, because Iraq shares the border with Syria, yeah, um, yeah. The, the fallout from the Syrian war Effects. and ISIS yeah. would, would have, yeah. so, some of it would have affected yeah. at least some part of mm. Iraq as well. Yeah, so like the, the, the war started in 2003 and yeah. till this day, like the American partially left Iraq, but the war never stopped. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, that, that's, it, what, yeah. sorry, that, that's what these... Uh, interventionists i believe they, they don't get it right which is in general i believe what america doesn't get right about you know these military interventions all across the world as i can say that's from my own experience in pakistan as mm. well because we've also had partial inter, uh, interference from the american military yeah. they don't realize that they might come and go they might leave they but might they conduct a huge effect yeah and, but but the after effects of what they've done it mm. is felt for decades correct after that I and, agree. and 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 if you push a country into into a warlike situation economically and socially, it takes them decades to come back to yeah. the normal. Yeah. If, if they come if, back. If they ever come if back. Ever and, come and, back yeah. and during that time, <clears throat> there are generations of young people growing up mm. with that mentality. Totally, yeah. And and what ends up happening is that those children who are growing up, like if you had stayed in Iraq and if you had grown up in that situation, you would have naturally grown up imagining America as the enemy. Correct. Yeah, you know yeah, that that they are the reason for the disruption. Anyways, uh, not to get too political yeah. on the podcast, <laughs> yeah. but okay. So so when when did when did your dad actually decide to come to Australia, um, and, and how did how did you decide on Australia? Okay, so let's go back in two thousand and four, two thousand and five, which is the year that we left Iraq. Yeah, obviously, like mom's mom and dad's house was yep. also in Kirkuk. Yeah, which is north of Iraq. Our house was in the same street as the prime minister of Iraq. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Like three, four houses down. Like big houses. Like our house in Kirkuk, like three levels. Wow. Yeah. Never seen a house in Australia like that. Like that. Only yeah. in Bondi and these stuff. So yeah. It was a very, very wealthy street. 
Um, so the the American came and took over that house, the, the prime minister's house. house. Wow. And they know the people that live in that house. They all kind of like they involved somehow. Yes. In Iraq's politics, politics and, and governance and yeah. governance. Yeah. Um, so they started and they started like targeting our house because our house was a very high mm. like house and it was on the edge of the street. So they want to kind of make it like a oh, second base. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, so one one day my dad like that's another interesting story. One day my dad was like cooking pizza in the oven, and my mom was like, "Oh, there's a red dot. There's a red paint on your back," and my dad is like, "Oh, what is it?" And he moved, and the laser went on the oven. And and oh. we look back and just the soldier just wow. put his laser on my dad's back. Wasn't intent to shoot him or anything, but just intimidation. To, just intimidate, trying to annoy him. Like wow. And it and it kept happening. Like we sleeping at night, two a.m. in the morning, and the Americans would walk past, and just like knock on the door. We freak out. We come back and they're like, "Hello, how are you? Bye." Just just to annoy you. Just like that. You know them little things. Yeah. Started to build up. Yeah. So we decided to leave Kirkuk and go to Baghdad, mm. which is my grandma's house. Yeah. And then one of my dad's friends in in Baghdad said that this is very high profile information, but your name is on on the list of the people that needs to be. You your dad was told this. Yeah. Okay. Your 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 name is in the list of the people that needs to be cleared. Okay. Okay. So when my dad heard the story. Within a week, we organized everything and we had to leave. My dad, my dad wasn't scared or anything, but he said, if anything could happen to me, yeah, I was going to look after you guys. Yeah, of course. You do. That's what yeah. you think about. You think about your family, exactly. your children. So that was the first thing. And, and we had to leave. Yeah, we, we left and we went to Jordan. Okay. okay. Yeah. You, you went to Jordan first? Yeah, we went to Jordan. Okay. Mm. So what happened there? No, I just went to Jordan. Like, we literally had to leave and go to Jordan with nothing. Like, my dad... Like they didn't even have money. It's not like we were poor in Iraq, but he didn't have the time to gather anything. To gather anything because it was such a rush. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and yeah, so we lived there. It was okay. Like I kind of miss Jordan. Like I love the country. Yeah. Love the people. Love the food, and they, they love the Iraqi people. To be honest. How long were you in Jordan for? Um, three to four years. Three to four years. Yeah. Right. So so that is where you would have a lot of your childhood memories because then you would have been what between six to ten years old yeah 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 so, so i went to school there. So you went to school and yeah, i started yeah. even picking up the jordanian accents yeah right speaking arabic right. There's, there's a difference between like a, the iraqi accent and, a, yeah, and the course. jordanian accent of course yeah so i started picking that up and yeah interesting yeah and and when did you guys eventually move to australia then um yeah so we yeah so 2004 i think we got to australia 2006 Okay. Seven, yeah. Seven, seven, okay. Yeah. And and um, did you guys arrive at Sydney? At yeah, straight Sydney. Yeah. And you've been in Sydney ever since. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, I, I'm just thinking. I would actually love to have your dad on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, I know. Right? I, I, no, Next for episode. sure. Let's 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 try to do that. Let's yeah. try to get your dad on this. Yeah. Like this, this is a story that I would love to cover. Yeah. So oh, he would. He would have it, so much stories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For you sure. need that. You need that. These three hours yeah. podcast with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Be very interesting. So, okay, just to <clears throat> now your experience. Mm. Okay, now. Obviously, your dad moved, your family moved and everything. I want to see this experience through your eyes as a 10-year-old mm. coming to Australia. Mm. What were your perceptions? Like, as soon as you came here, 
Uh, what were the initial years like? What was early school life like? It was kind of tough because you, I had zero English to speak mm. the language. Mm. I, I know zero of the Australian culture, Australian yeah. history. I, I don't know the people. You mm. know, I left all my family mm. back. So it was very intimidating. Yeah. But then you ha your family was always having your back and supporting you and like you can do it and you can make it. And I wanted to, because I know what my family went through, yes. through Iraq and through Jordan. So I was like, I kind of understood as a young child, like, okay, I'm in a, a developed country. I have the opportunity to make something of myself. Yeah. And I want, my parents went through like hell and back a yes. hundred times. So I want to make them proud. Yep. So I started working on myself. I learned the language very quick. I started doing good at school, got a good, HSC, and I went to uni, and and here I am. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, in in terms of the culture shock of coming over here, mm. were there a lot of uh, which which area, which school did you go to? Uh, I went. I don't want to mention the school. Yeah. Okay. But uh, it was a school like within the like the Western Sydney. Western Sydney. Yeah, which is was just like um, it's a school that mainly have the immigrants there teaching them um like english, english okay. like uh, the people that comes from yeah. like countries that don't speak english like yeah. english is their second language yeah yeah so which i love that school i miss i miss that school okay. yeah okay. that's that's also the thing that helped me with with the shock is when i came to australia and thankfully australia offers that kind of integration integration and um yeah. So when I went to that school, I saw people from Iraq, from Pakistan, from Asia, like all different, all different countries. countries. So that made me feel comfortable. Like I'm not the only one. Yes. That going through this. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And that just gave me whole, uh, a lot of confidence yeah. that I can do this. If they can do it, hmm. I can do it too. Right. Yeah. So moving into, moving forward into your teenage, right? Mm. There, there would have eventually come a point where the old influence of Iraq and Jordan mm. would have started going down and the influence of the Australian culture and Australian way of life yeah. would have formed the person that you are, right? 100%. So what I want to understand is as an immigrant, as an Arab immigrant, mm. teenager, yes. you know, teenager, brash personality, yeah. raging hormones, yeah. and as a guy, yeah. you know, what was it like growing up in your teenage in Sydney? What was what was Sydney like? What was what what was the teenage culture like? To be honest, I loved being a, a teenager in Sydney. Yeah. Like uh, I can't imagine myself spending teenage years in any other city. Yeah. Even even back in my home country. Home country. Okay. Yeah. You like, love Sydney. I, I I love Sydney. Like I went traveling to Europe and stuff, and yeah. I went back and I was like, you know what? I feel comfortable yeah. in Sydney. Yeah. I love Sydney. I have a lot of friends. Yeah. I have like a couple, like now I have like three, four like family that lives here. So yeah, I, lo I love my teenage years. Like, Sydney's home? Yeah, yeah Sydney, Sydney's home, mate. Sydney's, Western Sydney's home. Sid Sydney's home now. Yeah, 100%. Nice. That's yeah. Nice. What about your parents? Like, do you feel that they have, I mean, obviously, look, as, as a grown person who's mm. grown, gone through war and you know, immigration and leaving their home behind, there is a certain kind of trauma that doesn't go away, uh, yeah, right? But yeah. but do you think your your family and your parents are... Yeah, they've they, overcome. They, they, they've overcome they that. They've overcome this trauma. But the only thing about them is that makes them feel comfortable and give them the support every day 
to wake up and do things is seeing their kids doing well. Doing well. They yeah. save. They go into school. They have decent jobs. Yep. That's the only thing that's um like make them yeah like move on from. Yep. But on the other side, the only thing that's tough on them every day is family. Yeah. Yeah. Like we live in Australia. It's, it's twenty hours flight to. To go back to Iraq or yeah. any other, yeah, for sure, the other side of the world, yeah, and it's tough. Yeah, that's probably the main thing. Do you, do you go back? Um, I have never went back to Iraq. You've never gone back, no. but you, but your parents have. No, your parents have. No, okay. no. no. Wow, never. Yeah. That's that's. It's tough, man. Yeah, like like that's, leaving that's leaving yeah. family behind, yeah. leaving loved ones behind, mm. and moving across the world. Yeah, it's it tough. tough. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The only the main thing is family. Like my like, don't get me wrong. We've met with like a few family members here and there mm. like we went to malaysia they came to malaysia yeah yeah like turkey and stuff mm. and they go to turkey and we uh, but we still like my my mom hasn't seen her mom which is my grandma probably uh, 10 12 years now and your grandma is, is still, still, still she's, she's still alive yeah she's still alive wow. yeah yeah she's 92 wow. but yeah, yeah. i can't, can't yeah. imagine man. yeah it's tough it's really tough it is really tough but yeah again the kids are doing good here, and that's mm. our life is established here. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. How, how many siblings do you have? I have one older sister and one older brother. One. Oh, so you're the youngest. I'm the youngest. Mate. You're the youngest. Yeah, nice, the youngest. One. Yeah. nice one. Nice one. Nice one. So uh, how about your siblings? Are they doing well for themselves yeah, as well? They are doing. They graduated from uni. They have decent jobs. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I I like that fact that um and I found that um with a lot of parents, especially who come from educated backgrounds, yeah. who are themselves highly qualified they come and they push their children to go down the same path mm -hmm. and get professional jobs and professional degrees which actually like like you said coming into australia that gives you that platform to actually achieve more than your parents ever could within exactly their life right, and, yeah. and i believe that any immigrant who's coming out here and they're trying to make a better life for themselves or for their family for their children yeah. it becomes incumbent upon their children to then give back 100%. And the only way that you can give back is your parents don't really want any material thing back from no. you, any any money or any anything in return from you. No. They don't even ask you to finance them in any way. No. But, but all they want to see is for you to succeed yeah. in, in in a professional round. Yeah, yeah. They wanna they wanna have that confidence that when they go on, you're you're set. You're like, set. You're okay. like you you have a degree in yeah. like in your hand. You 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 have a not even. Like, let's not say you have to go to uni to impress your, like, your family and your parents. Like, yeah. as long as you even go to TAVE, get a, get a, like, a trade. Yeah, whatever you do. Yeah, whatever you do, like, just, yeah. just make them proud in something that you're doing good. Like, exactly. Yeah. No matter what you do. No matter whether, what you whether, do. Whether, whether it's a degree, whether it's a business, whether yeah. it's anything, whether it's a trade yeah. course, or even if it's, like, you're doing art or anything, yeah. right? Yeah. But th what they want you to do is not just be be lazy and just, just yeah. you know, just get by. They want you to actually thrive yeah. and succeed Please, in whatever yeah. you do. Yeah, exactly. And that is... The, for parents who actually leave everything behind, I mean, I, I don't know how many people can relate to this, but it's one of the most difficult things to do. 100%. When you're a grown man, yeah. and you know, you you have an entire life that you uproot and you take your family elsewhere. It's, it's yeah. it, like, I can't even imagine what it must be like. Yeah, 100%. Like, that's, an, that's like a message to all the immigrants as well that's watching this um, podcast. Um, like, if you would come to Australia with your parents and you know that your parents left, everything behind mm. and for you here to say oh now i'm in sydney i don't need to worry about yes. anything and just just 
not even study, not even get a proper job. I'm not saying that, like, if you have a job, but a job that can last and you can have yeah. a future with it. Yeah. yeah, like, you should, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, you need to make them proud and not because you're here or mm. now I'm set, I'm not yeah. kick back and not do anything. That's the, the worst thing you could probably do to your parents is yeah. leaving everything behind and now you're here and they see you not doing anything yeah. within within your life. Yeah. You, know? you make it make it worth it for them. For them, exactly. Make it worth yeah. it for them. Make Otherwise them... you're gonna make it difficult for them. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh we left all this and now look at our son or our daughter. Okay. I wanna shift the conversation to okay now when you're growing up in your in your teenage in your late teenage in your early twenties, right? Mm. Um do you feel that the 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 lot of people that you hang out with yeah. were they predominantly Arab or was it more multicultural within your group of friends or was it was it mostly Arab? Mm. Because because it's natural because yeah. when you, because of the sense of community this yeah. is something that a lot of people wouldn't understand is that people who come from specifically Arab countries mm. people who come from South Asian countries mm. the sense of community. And the sense of family and reaching out to people who share your cultural background, yeah. it's very important. Yeah. It's very important. Correct. Um, yeah, so don't get me wrong, like throughout the high school phase and even university, yeah. I had different friends from different like, part of the world, different yeah. cultures. Yeah. But then when you leave high school and when you leave university and you start your professional <clears throat> life, that's when you start seeing I would say your real friends are. Yep. And surprisingly, the real friends that you have is the people that come from the same culture yes. and the same country. Like the people that are, like frequently ask about you and they want to see how you're doing. They wanna, you know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. there's a lot more overlap there. Yeah, right? yeah, 100%. Don't get me wrong. Like I still have um, like a Greek friend and an Italian friend that like I always like in contact with. Mm. But if you look at the bigger group of yep. my friends which are i consider like arabs iraqis yeah interesting mm. interesting so um yeah so the next the, the reason why i asked that was now i'm going to ask you a very tricky question okay okay but this is something that i wanted to ask and i being somebody who's from south asia i did not feel myself to be the right person or to have the right context to draw a conclusion on this part so I'm going to ask this question to you, right? Okay, let's see if I can answer it. Yeah. When I came to Australia, right, I've been in Australia, I've been in Sydney for um, five years now. And Sydney, in all of the Australian cities, has the highest proportion of Arab people living in Australia. Yes. The highest proportion of Arab uh, people living here. Mm -hmm. Now, what I've seen is, unfortunately, there when you when you talk about Arab people in Sydney or yeah. in Australia, there is a negative stereotype that is associated with the Arab people, mm. right? Like you, you generally when you talk to people about, and I'm, I'm, I, I mean this with the utmost respect and sensitivity. Yeah. I don't mean to bash anyone, yeah. but I'm just somebody who's trying to understand yeah. why that is. Yeah. So normally, when you hear about Arab people mm. in Sydney, people talk about the the culture of drugs yeah. weapons yeah. corruption mm -hmm. um you know and all all of that stuff so for, i i mean look the, one is a stereotype that is uh that is unnecessarily bigoted mm. within mm. within the mind frame of people mm. right correct but 
what are your thoughts on it? Being somebody who has seen that community from a very close uh, close space, wh why do you think that is? Where does that perception come from? Um, it is a tricky question, but you stated the fact saying that Arabs are like one of the big, what was your fact, the biggest group? They, uh, like Sydney has one of the largest Arab communities in Australia. In Australia, correct. In Australia, but yeah. overall, it's also the minority. Yeah. So there's probably around 500 or 500,000. Yep. Or like, or let's say a million, hmm. like Arab background people in Sydney yep. compared to, let's say, a four million Italians or yeah. two million Greece. So we still, at the end of the day, we are a minority. Minority. Yeah. So when that, so let's say if a small group of that minority do something, let's say bad, for example, drugs, you are going to get targeted. And the media, sadly, nowadays, they generalize. They generalize. They everybody. generalize. So when they generalize that very minority um, group of people, mm. the way the way the media like show it to the people is that the whole the Arab people that's living in Sydney doing that. So I think that's where it comes from. Mm. Even though we are, there's a lot of Arabs in Sydney, but when a minority and and also, I would say the media plays a big part of this. Yeah, of course. And people can comment on this video and they say if they agree or disagree with me. Mm. But this is personally what I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, what you're saying is that there would be incidences here and there, but there correct. are instances like that within any culture, within any, any, within culture. any culture, within yeah. any background, within yeah. within any demographic. Yeah. But it's just that once a media finds somebody to target, they zero in on it. Yeah. And then then that creates a larger perception that maybe the entire community is, yeah. is, is like that. To add on to, to yeah. that fact that the past 20 years, Muslims and Arabs yeah. in general all across the world have yeah. been, you know, tainted yeah. uh, in, in that same way. Well, since we talk on the subject, yeah. any Muslim person from any background, if we yeah. would do anything, the media would target it. Yep. put it on the TV yes. and, and just show the wrong image, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's sadly, that's reality. But yeah. people, needs, people need to sit down with us and yes. talk to us. Yeah. And, and that's when you, you can like, find the way we think. And yeah. Not all of us. It's a very minority people that, yeah. that are do important. the wrong things and, and give us the yeah. bad image. But most of us are educated. We mm. come from, like... Good education, yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, and and on that topic, my own person look, I, I I never really had any personal interaction with Arab culture or Arab people until I came to Australia, right? Yeah. But um, obviously, there's the overlap of being Muslim, right? Yeah. So so the Muslim culture is an overlap. But yeah. once I came here, I I have also seen that uh, with all of that perception and those stereotypes, withstanding whatever mm. the media says. What I've also seen is that Arabs are also one of the most vibrant communities 100%. within Australia. And, and, and within the fabric of the Australian multicultural society, yeah. that is a very important element yeah. that the Arab culture plays. And it's something that you cannot downplay. Yeah, 100%. Right. They, they bring their own flavor to what Australian, to what being an Australian means. Yeah, 100%. We, we, the Arab culture and the Arab people, like... I could say proudly that they give life to, to Sydney. Yes. Like if you, yes. If, for example, let's wake up tomorrow and we remove all the Arabs, all the Arab restaurants and 
shops from Sydney. Like, it's going to be boring. It's going to be dull. I mean, yeah. imagine uh, not, not having uh, Lakimba Nights yeah, during the like, run. People are going to Lakimba Nights more than to the Easter show. Yes. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And the yeah. Easter show is considered one of the biggest events like, yes. in Sydney, yeah. probably yeah. in Australia. I, um, I think one of, the, one of the funniest and most appropriate um, takes on... Um, you know, people's negative attitudes towards immigrants yeah. is I, I saw the stand-up from Trevor Noah. Yeah. He, he said that you don't like immigrants, yeah. you don't get to have their food. That's it. <laughs> That's, That's it. it. If you don't yeah. like immigrants, yeah. you don't get to have yeah. their food anymore. And you know what? Like going back to the question about um, Arab people are giving the wrong image and, uh, yeah. and we, we bad people, we like all this uh, bombarding this information in the media that we, we're not the nicest people. Yeah. Like, during Ramadan, if you go to Lakimba Arts, you see people from everywhere. 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 Exactly. From Europe, Asian people, Indian people, Muslim, non-Muslim. Yeah. They're just exactly. happily walking next to each other, enjoying different food, different cultures. Exactly. And I love it. And, and, and that, those are the things that we actually need to yeah. focus on yeah. more than the... Exactly. Than the more than the negative that, stuff. More than the negative yeah. stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, th- thanks for that. I really wanted to get somebody who's from within the community, their perception of it, right? Yeah. Um, also, just to add my final point to that is that not, when I said that Arab people add a very important flavor to the Australian community, I also mean that in terms of the family values and, and the sense of community that the Arab people bring um, to the Australian community. Because within the Arab culture, the sense of family the sense of responsibility towards one's family and one's not just not just one's immediate family but also the extended family yeah. and the community as a whole mm. the sense of responsibility of being a representative of the community and doing well for the nation for people in general yeah. that is something that is really built into our psychology at a very early age within our homes 100%. and i think that for any australian is is very important because that is then what makes us a nation yeah you know we learn from the Australian culture, and the Australians learn a lot of things from us. Yeah. Now, sure. now I can, I can like some of my um, Australian friends. Now they started fighting on paying the bill. Yeah. Back in the days, they never they split the bill. They split. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And now they're learning from us. Yeah, you know, yeah. when we fight, yeah, almost yeah, yeah. punch on who's gonna pay. <laughs> so see, this is the good values yeah. Yeah. that they they learn. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. When when like even if you go out with 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 your Australian friend, if, yeah. if someone is is fighting with you to pay yeah. your bill, that means you're family to them. Yeah. And, if, and not they, even family, yeah. even if you're with your friends who, who is that Indian or Asian or Italian yes. or yeah. if you, if sometimes when I go with my mates, yeah. like I like to shout them yes. and, and that means I care about you. Exactly. And that's part of the culture. That's, yeah. that's like the, the sense of hospitality and generosity yeah. is, is very huge yeah, within that culture. Yeah. And, and, and it's also the, like the Australians, they're learning that from us. Like, Mm. Now they know yeah. when you go out with your friends, you don't mm. have to mm. pay for yourself. Like, you know. But you know what my personal experience is? The Aussie culture in itself, yeah. it's much better than what, what you find in maybe America or maybe in Europe. Like, like Aussie, the Australian culture, and I'm not just talking about Aussies or Arabs or anybody who's living in Australia. Mm. The general sense of the community, the, the, sense, of, the sense of togetherness within Australia, yeah. I really admire that. Honestly, I, 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 believe, I believe that Australia is one of 
is the best country in the world yeah with the best nation and if we continue to develop this way because because the way the country is developing you're going to have invariably you're going to have more immigrants and more people coming in yeah. in the in the coming decades more than before because that is how we want to develop this country right and the only way to do that in a positive way is for us to embrace the differences 100%. and embrace each other's cultures and 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 you know celebrate our differences and that is the only way we can turn this country to even a much greater nation yeah. than what it might be right now yeah 100% yeah, yeah. All right i'm going to shift the conversation to now the engineering side of it okay okay. okay so so i understand the 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 way that you came into engineering is what i'm understanding is that your dad was an engineer mm. so naturally he would he would have wanted like like all like all arab and all uh, south asian yeah. parents they doctor wanted, lawyer or engineer doctor lawyer yeah, engineer yeah. those are those are your three choices but right? don't get fooled by this fact there's yeah. many other <laughs> yeah. trades that you could be very successful and get yeah. very good money yeah i'm just talking about the parents yeah just the parents <laughs> just the parents yeah. okay so your dad being an engineer he would have he would have obviously loved you to be an engineer right yeah. Yeah. So is that how you ended up being an engineer then? Yeah, I, I would say so. But also, um, to be honest, I, I didn't know. Like after after year twelve, I didn't know what to do. Okay. Like I got a a, a good ATAR. I had like few opportunities to like apply for different courses. Mm. But just something about engineering, mm. like I'm gonna be yeah. like I could actually have a very high chance of being accepted to study <clears throat> engineering degree. Yeah. So I just applied for it. You know mm. what I mean? And and I got accepted and yeah, was was science and mathematics something that you were always interested in? Um, uh, not really, but I guess I was good at maths. You were somehow. good at maths. Yeah, I was good at maths and um, yeah, yeah. I studied. Don't get me wrong; it's a very tough course. Yeah, it's a very tough course if you don't focus and study. But then it's it's mm. highly mm. highly worth it after you graduate. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, hundred percent. So you studied civil engineering. Yes. And you went to which uni? Western Sydney University. Western Sydney University, yes. and it was a four-year course. It was. It, it was, was a. It was a four-year course. Four-year course. Yeah, but I, I I extended it to five years and a half only because I was working through okay. it. Okay. So I did some some semesters. I did like part time. I used to pick up one or two subjects a semester. <clears> yeah, just so I could work and and. Yeah, make money. Make money on yeah. the on the side. Uh, yeah. No, that's good. I respect that. That's, yeah. And that that is very important for you know somebody to be in their early twenties. They're doing a full time degree and also on top of that, they're also yeah. trying to make money for themselves on the side. I highly respect. I that. did. I did everything in the first years. And you know what? I think because I I know you personally, so I know that during that time you were working in construction. Mm. So I I believe that is also very important. Like if you're studying civil engineering, and but you're also working out on the field. in some capacity it really gives you a completely different perception of the stuff that you're studying because whatever you study in your uni in your degree it's not really giving you a taste of what the real world application is like not at all yeah not at all and you have to actually be on the field and to learn yeah exactly yeah. Un- until you actually experience what it feels like 100%. to work on a project you uh, you wouldn't understand what you're studying 100% and engineering is a very broad course like so when you're on the field you can actually know what you want to specialize in yes. you want to be yes. building high rises or you want to build, be out there building roads and stuff mm. two different you know two different um like parts of the of the degree yeah. so you have to be on the field to yeah. to see what you like or what you dislike because because studying something in theory is completely different from actually experiencing 100%. it you don't really know if you're actually going to 
enjoy doing that exactly in, in exactly so you have to be on the field yeah. just to know if you get to enjoy you know what and maybe it's my biggest advice for like people who study engineering especially in the first couple of years to be to get a job mm. even an unpaid mm. job just to be at their experience because probably at the end of the day you're going to be like engineering is not for me mm. you know what maybe yeah. i should just leave that course and do something else do something else. you really have to like what you do mm. to continue doing engineering otherwise engineering engineering is not for everyone it's not for everyone no. and it's it's once you get onto the job it's it's very mentally taxing as well oh, 100% you're doing long hours so you really have to enjoy and love what you do love what you do to to yeah. to, to continue to yeah interesting yeah when did you graduate 2015 2015 you graduated and you've been working in the construction industry ever since um i would say from my third year of uni second second third year of uni uh, at the start i did uh, i did traffic my first year of uni i did traffic controlling because mm -hmm. i used to uh study mm -hmm. in the morning yep and work at night yep night shifts i was making money and uh, again good money mate. good money and studying in the morning so that yep. was my life just going to uni to my lectures my tutorials in the morning then mm -hmm. at night pick up a shift yep yeah so that was good. Then in my second year, I started doing co-creating, mm. just a laborer. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and nice. some people are gonna be like, "Oh, why are you doing laborer? You're doing engineering. You yeah. should get like a, yeah. a cadetship." But you have to be. Like, you learn a lot from mm. the from the mm. guys on the ground. Mm. You know what I mean? You know, on that point, I would wanna add something, and this is something that I learned. Yeah. Um, and I, I I admit my own ignorance at this point that when I came to Australia, um, my my life in Pakistan was you could say very very much sheltered mm. in that sense go to uni do your degree try to find a job and all that so it's it's just that the work culture within pakistan it doesn't really encourage or provide uh, access to young people to actually enter the workforce without a degree yeah They're like there's very less opportunity there that's right but coming here and seeing how things actually work over here with young people mm. they have the opportunity to start earning as soon as you turn 15 16 they have like so many avenues to build a career without a degree or without formal education as long as you're willing to work hard and as long as you're willing to sincerely put an yeah. effort to learn something make you can you can make anything of yourself right, i started working when i was 14 i was getting yeah. 12 dollars an hour yeah and i was loving it and and that's what i that's now if if any young person from pakistan who's coming over if they ever ask me what should we do or what kind of skills we should have that will help us establish ourselves i say mate try to get on the tools That's try it. to try to try to work with your hands try, don't forget about the perception that only a four year degree or a formal degree will get you a high paying or a high fi job Not in australia that that will help yeah. that will eventually help you but Correct. but if you want to get here and if you want to start earning immediately Jump try to jump jump on the tools get a yeah. trade get, get a get a learn a skill basically 100%. learn yeah. a skill and that can help you there are so many avenues here that can that can help you make really good money while you're studying um you know rather than just coming up here and just for example doing food deliveries or yeah. or, or running errands yeah. like that so much better there's a this is that's what i'm saying like we like we live in the best country in the world like australia there's a huge opportunity opportunity so, that's right it. you could literally come to australia and have a, a zero skill mm. and you could still get a job and earn good money yes. yes like you could be doing uber eats yes just driving and yep. you could still make yes. decent money you can still yeah. make decent money 100%. yeah yeah for sure although 
as somebody who's done Uber Eats himself, I I would say that okay, if you want to make your ends meet, doing Uber Eats is good. Yeah. But I would still always prefer somebody to do some kind of like a trade course or yeah. a certification yeah, yeah. before. Reverting to Uber Eats, I'd say. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying like on the side. Like, on, on the side. Yeah, yeah, like you have to do you have to do these type of jobs on the side. You on have side. to have a main focus. That you yeah. have to have like a side hustle yep. to do things like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, Australia is a country of massive opportunity, and that opportunity, at least for the next fifty years, it's not going away. There is massive opportunity within Australia to work in business, to work in construction, to work in specialized trades. To work in IT, mm. there, there is there is massive opportunity. At the end of the, it's a developing country. So, yes. as you said, for the next fifty years, hundred years, maybe, mm. it's still going to be available for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and the only criteria is you need to be willing to work hard. You, you got to have the the right mindset. Hustle. The, the, yeah, that's it. You just gotta you gotta yeah. want it. You, 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 you wanna thrive. Yeah. Exactly. And exactly. if you have that, that's all you need. The mm. mindset, and you're done. You're done. Yeah, you're sweet. You're set. Mm. Tell me about Simo. Mm. What what's it like working at Simo White? Um, honestly, I'm loving it. It's been six months. I'm loving it. Love my team. Mm. I love the culture. I love the policies. Mm. Uh, everyone is supportive. Um, culture wise, we mm. get to go about culture wise. Uh, I'm I'm Iraqi. My my engineer, my senior engineer is Australian. My project engineer is. Is from New Zealand. Mm. His parents are from Cambodia. Right. Yeah. Right. So my undergrad is from Afghanistan. Yeah. So it just it's just just full of culture. Full of culture. Yeah. yeah. Just we have culture day. Everyone brings like food from. So it's just just really good. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, what what kind of projects are you working on at the moment? Um. So we building we build we upgrading a road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so pretty much it's a, a road upgrade project. Uh, for transport for New South Wales. Transport for New South Wales, yeah. right? It's a government job. Yeah. Government job, and and like, what's the what's the scale of a job like that in terms of like budget? Um, so we are upgrading a road that is one point three, one three okay. uh, long, and we spent the two hundred sixty million. Two hundred sixty million yeah. for one point three million. Yeah. Is is that the Roselle interchange that you're working on? Uh, no. It's uh, the Mulgawa Road upgrade. The Mulgawa Road upgrade. Yeah, Penrith. Penrith. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's a very short. Um, so if you look at the the budget wise, two hundred sixty million, you could literally build a road, a highway that is probably ten k, twelve k, but because it's uh, a very tight road with a lot of stuff underground, utilities underground, it's very. Yeah. So, are any any specialized elements in there? Like, are you guys install? Are you guys increasing the lanes in there? Or? Yeah. So, so instead of two lanes each way, we're gonna make it three lanes. Okay. So you're in, including extra lanes yeah. on either and, side. And for ramps. As and well. for, okay. And you're doing the ramps as yeah. well. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And and the ramps are gonna be. Why did it the ramps? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And those are earth filled ramps, or are they like peered, peered, no, earth, peered earth filled, earth filled yeah. ramps? Yeah. Now, I'm only asking that out of my own interest because yes, yeah. I want to understand what's going on. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, so, before we wrap this up, uh, Emma, if if any young person out there mm. is listening to you at the moment, yeah. they want to get into construction, they want to get into engineering. Uh, let's say somebody who's just in high school at the moment. Uh -huh. What 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 would you suggest? Like out of your experience, looking back, do you think that there's something you would have done differently that would have given you more benefit? Yeah, I would honestly, I would 
take your degree very seriously. Mm. Don't just turn up to the to the lectures just to to sign up your name and and go home and mm. work. Not focus on your degree and try and to get into the field as soon as possible. As soon as like first year, mm. just get a cadetship. Even if you even if you unpaid. Mm. I did three three months of unpaid cadetship. After that, I got into a paid uh, role straight away, yep. which was a really yep. a very high um, mm. reputation, mm. uh, high rise construction company. So it opens a lot of doors, but you need to get it early. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And and on on that point, I would like to add. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a perception out there within young people that unless you have experience and if you get like internships and everything, it's always going to be unpaid and you're going to be struggling and all that. That might be true in some industries and that might be largely true within America. But if you're working in Australia, chances are more often than not that even if you're starting out at the very basic level, you will get some kind of return. Uh, off I, of I that. Like, like there, there might be a few unpaid opportunities out there, but the majority of them do give you some kind of return. And, and and it's all about building your experience. Once you have even three to four months of experience, you can actually cash that in for a paid paid rule. 100%. Very nothing nothing going to go to waste. Yes, nothing's yeah. going to go to waste. Even if you're going to do an unpaid um, like job for a few months, hmm. that's going to be added to your resume. So yep. you're adding to your experience. Yep. And at the end of the day, the government will be paying you. Yep. So, so you're not losing anything. But yep. again... I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. You need to have the right mindset. You need to struggle. Hmm. You need to struggle in order to be comfortable later on. Yeah. And that's what you should be doing. 100%. Don't be lazy. First year of uni, get your phone, start calling people. Are you interested hmm. in, in, in hmm. a cadet, in an undergrad? Yeah. Start, start early. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. This has been an amazing experience, mate. Yeah. I mean, I, I've known you for, what, three years now? Yeah. But... To get to hear the story of how you guys came over here and everything, I feel like this is this has really been eye opening for me as well. Yeah, I really loved loved the story. Yeah, man. No, no really, really nice insight. So I'll tell you more stories <laughs> of life. All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that do after the, after after the cameras yeah. off. <laughs> okay, so just to wrap this up, final point, yeah. Ahmed. You're 26 years old. Yeah, 27. 27 years yeah. old. 27 years young. Yeah. Okay. Still young. What is the one nugget of truth, yeah. one nugget of advice yeah. that life has taught you that you want to leave the listeners with? That's a really, really good one. That's a deep one. Mm. It can be anything. Can one, be. one nugget of truth. One nugget of truth. That you can offer the people. To people. Mm. Just listen to your parents. Mm. Listen to your parents' advice and always... Always have them by your side, mm. and their support would eventually make you successful. Because at the end of the day, your parents want the best for you. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's what I would say. And on that point, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you enjoyed it, kindly hit the subscribe button, hit the like, leave a comment, give us some feedback on what you think we can improve. If there are any other questions that you think we should ask from future guests, do leave them in the comments below. Um, if anybody wants to get un- get in touch with Ahmed or myself, I'll be leaving our uh, LinkedIn addresses 
in either they should be on the screen right now or i'll put them in the description for this video as well if anybody wants to reach out to emad or myself for some kind of professional advice uh, we'll try to help you guys out the best that we can that is it for this episode of in the gap thank you so much for watching and i'll see you in the next one